Gather round, children, as I tell you the tale of a group of teens much like yourselves. The tale in which I am about to tell you is about the old McGowan's house up on top of the hill of an old town not far from here. Now gather round quickly. You won't want to miss this one. Now, I can't tell you the story without first telling you of the family which originally owned the McGowan Mansion. You see, they were an upper-class family with jewels unknown to the outside world. Fabergé eggs, pure gold dinner plates, servants for miles, you see. Money was nothing to them. They relied so much on their material wealth that they forgot what it truly meant to be alive. And the homeless of the town took note of their infinite wealth and thought that someday to take revenge upon the family for not paying their city dues. You see, in the town of Manchester, there is a city tax of income, and if you earn too much money, you had to redistribute your wealth to the poor. And the McGowan family said, <laughs> get off of my doorstep. And so the homeless witch cursed the family for the rest of their days. Tragedy struck the home when their six-year-old daughter fell down the staircase and broke her neck. <laughs> I feel bad for laughing at a six-year-old falling down the stairs. The parents, grieving the loss of their first-born child, barely had any time to recover before their second-born son passed away in his sleep just three years old. The mother, so struck with grief after losing two children within the span of a month, took her own life by jumping out of the top window. The father, lo after losing his wife and two children, also took his own life as he jumped into the fireplace. His body, after catching fire, had fallen out of the fireplace and let the rug on the floor ablaze, causing the whole house to burn down with it. The city tried to bring in many outside contractors to see what reconstruction could be done. After many suspicious accidents occurring at the construction site, no contractor would step foot near the McGowan Manor. It's changed from house to mansion to manor. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I feel like we should just keep changing it. The tales of what had occurred at the house spread like wildfire across the town. The police constantly had to monitor the streets in order to keep young rapscallions out. But today is Halloween. Children litter the streets far and wide. A group of four young adventurous fellows decided that they would, in fact, explore the McGowan Shed. With so many children about, the police could not keep watch of the estate, and so the four teens managed to sneak in. 
As the four teens walked up the long cobblestone driveway and peered around the corner, they saw the manor in all of its glory. Most of the wood on the house had been burned away. The roof of the attic collapsed as the burned insides could not withstand the weight of pure gold-lined roof. Several of the windows had been broken and smashed, and one of the outside columns had been chipped away at. The four teens discuss their intentions with the condominium. Hey, Jason, I bet you won't stay the night in there. Uh, I'll stay the night there any day I want, Abigail. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's necessarily safe in there, you guys. Look at how burnt and rusty and totally grody it is. Shut up, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you wouldn't stay there either. I bet I could stay much longer than you two shrimp-tailed boys. Hey, Jason, back off my girl, bro. <laughs> Shut up, Todd. Jason's like this. Todd's voice keeps changing. Todd and Jason sound the same. <laughs> Todd, I bet you couldn't even stay a single night here. Just let me run home grab my inhaler first. You really need that inhaler? You haven't used that since track in middle school. Shut up, Abigail! <laughs> Todd, chill out, bro. You don't even need your inhaler. It's not like we're gonna be running around or anything. Alright, fine, let's just go in then! Jason walks up to the door and peers inside. I don't see anyone. As Todd reaches towards the doorknob, before he can grab it, the door creaks open slowly, as if the house itself was inviting the teens inside. You see that, Jason? What, bro? You opened the door. No one cares. No, dude, I didn't even touch the door. Stop messing around, bro. Just go inside. Whatever. With every step they take, the floorboards beneath their feet creak heavily. Smells like dog shit in here, bro! <laughs> no dog, Todd. The place burned down and has been in disarray for like 40 years. Can't you just stop bickering? Shut up, Abigail! Oh my god, whatever, I'm going to the dining room to look for some grub. You would. Whatever, Jason! Hey, Jason, not cool, bro. The door slams behind the teens. Who did that? Abigail, come on, stop messing around! I'm in the dining room. Stacy! Stacy? Come on, stop playing! As the group look around, they find Stacy has disappeared. Alright, Stacy, definitely not cool, man. Jason walks to the front door to try and open it, but it's locked. Hey, alright, Stacy! Real funny joke, let us out now! Just then, they hear the creaking of floorboards above them in the upstairs. Jason, go get Stacy. Find the key for this door. Oh, why do I have to? She's your girl, man. Come on. Oh, fine. Todd lumbers up the staircase. Just then, the group hears a scream, and Stacy plummets from the second story down to the main floor. Whoa, what the hell, man? As the group rush over to Stacy, they find that all of her limbs have been broken and she's bleeding from the eyes, crying out in pain. Uh, I don't even know what <laughs> <laughs> Abigail, you know CPR, do something! All of her limbs are broken, what am I supposed to do? Chest compressions, I don't know man, just save her, come on, she's laying there! So what, we gotta call 911. 
With what? What phone? You got your phone on you? I thought you had your phone on you. Jason, come on, stop, stop playing. She looks like she's seriously hurt. No, don't she seriously hurt. She just fell off a second story. <laughs> she just fell down from the second story and broke all of her limbs. And she's like bleeding from the eyes and stuff. All right, this is totally not cool anymore, guys. Come on. Abigail, see if you can squeeze out through the living room window. Call for help. Abigail manages to get outside and says, I'm going to get help. You guys find something to do. Come on, help me get Stacy out of here, bro. What are we supposed to do, bro? I, I don't know. Are you, are you like not supposed to maneuver someone's neck when they're like this or something? I don't know. I don't know what to do with her. She's like dying. Hang in there, Stacy. We're getting help. They hear thumps upstairs. Abigail, is that you? What are you doing upstairs? We said go outside and get help. As Todd looks up through a hole into the second floor, he notices two red eyes peering out through the darkness. Alright, man, not cool. Game's up, man. Stacy's literally dying, bro. Come on. Jason, I think I see something upstairs through the floorboards. I bet he's the one who did this to Stacy. Let's beat him, bro. I'll stay here with Stacy. You go beat him up, bro. What? No, I need you, bro. Come on. Bro, I can't leave Stacy all by herself. What if he does the same thing to me? Fine, bro. Let's get Stacy on the dining room table, though. Alright, fine. Help me lift her. Or wait, we're not supposed to move her. Her neck, bro. It's fine. I'll support her neck. It's fine. Alright, man. If she gets spinal cord damage <laughs> on top of all this, man, this is totally on you. Fine, bro. They set her on the dining room table so she's not lying on the cold floor. Alright, man. Let's beat his ass. Let's go, bro. Come on. Come on. Let's... You go first, though, man. I don't want to go up there. Why do I go first? Cut. Man, I've seen you squat before. You got like 45 pounds on me. Come on, man. Oh, fine, bro. Jason runs up the stairs to the second floor. I'm right behind you, bro. Come on, let's beat his ass. Did you have a flashlight? What do I need a fla- Oh, yeah, I guess it is pretty dark up here. I got- <laughs> I was gonna say I have my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, why did you call for help? <laughs> I don't have any service, bro. Come on. Oh, fine, okay, fine. Everybody going to get help. Just- Let's use your flashlight on your phone. Just, like, find this guy. As they turn on the flashlight, they see something dark scurry across the hallway. The light flickers on and off. Man, I know I should've got the deluxe flashlight for this iPhone. Bro, I really don't like this. This is way too creepy, bro. Well, if he just did this to Stacy, man, we can't just, like, stay in the same condominium as him. The two boys slowly walk through the house. As they turn the corner into one of the hallways, they see a door slam. He's gotta be over there, bro. Let's go. Let's kick the door in. The two teens rush over the door to find it locked. Just kick it down. Come on, man. On three. One, two. They hear a bang from the other side of the hallway. I thought you said he was in here, man. I just saw the door shut. Well, which one is it? You go check out that one. I'm gonna kick this door in. Oh, fine. As Jason tries to kick the door in, Todd wanders over to the other side of the hallway. Come on, man. Not cool. Todd, looking throughout all of the rooms, doesn't find a single person. And when he turns back around, he finds Jason has vanished. Jason, come on, man. This is seriously not funny. There's no response. Jason, come on, man. Todd wanders back to the door that Jason was once kicking and notices that there are scuff marks on the floor and on the walls around the door he was trying to kick in. Come on, Jason, where are you, man? Call out to me. 
Todd feels a drop of something land on his face, and as he looks up at the ceiling, he finds Jason laying there, bleeding from the eyes on the ceiling. What the fuck, man? Jason screams, and his neck is broken as he falls to the ground. The last thing Abigail hears as she approaches the road is the scream from the two boys. As she looks back at the house, she notices something dark in the window, and as she looks closer, she sees two red eyes peering down at her. Just then, she hears a crash, and Todd flies through the top window, falling out into the courtyard of the house. She hears a sickening crunch as he, lit as he hits the ground. Absolutely horrified by what she had just seen, she blindly runs into the road. <laughs> Getting hit by a truck. Going three and a half miles over the speed limit. The truck slamming on its brakes, but not soon enough as he collides with Abigail's frail body. The last thing the truck driver hears is the thud of her body against the pavement. The next day, the police investigate the house. They know that four people were there, but they only find Abigail and Todd's bodies. The two bodies that were inside of the house have disappeared, but they can see blood stains and scuff marks all throughout. I tell you, these kids are getting dumber every year. I mean, I can't even believe that they would think to go here with all of the spooky stories and whatnot. I tell you what, I find my... That's not even <laughs> I keep losing the voices I'm doing. I tell you what, you never find my kids in here. That's for sure. To this day, the mysterious death of the teens is still a mystery. <laughs> the mysterious death is still a mystery. <laughs> To this day, the teens' deaths have gone unsolved, and they have officially boarded off the house permanently, and have armed guards there every night to make sure. But that doesn't stop some teens from getting in. Any time someone enters the house, they die a gruesome death. Reports say that the last thing some victims see are two red peering eyes, as if staring deep into their soul. But, that's just a rumor, children. Fear not, it's just a story to share. Let me see. Ah, uh, it appears we still have time yet for one more tale. Hmm, what should we do? Ah, I know. How about a tale of this very camp you're staying at? Funnily enough, it was around this time, 30 years ago. It started all on one fateful night, just like this crisp October evening. A young boy was walking back to his cabin and noticed something odd in the woods. When he went over to look, he said he saw something moving about, and grew hysterical and ran back to his cabin. For three days he would not go outside, and could claim that every night he would see a creature outside of his window, staring back at him. 
The camp counselors obviously thought the boy was having night terrors and immediately called his parents after the third night. Everything was going fine until a number of other kids started seeing the same thing, sometimes at the same time. With too many of their numbers depleting and many parents calling, worrying about their kids staying at this camp, the counselors decided that they should end camp early and investigate what this creature could be, if it exists at all. The local Bigfoot enthusiast obviously hopped right on the case, immediately wanting to take a picture of this creature. Recognizing that all of these claims had only come from the children, no adult had seen or heard of this creature, but the children swear every night they are visited by it. One brave child stayed behind to help lure the monster to one of the cabins so that they could get a picture. The counselors split up into groups of two and each stayed at one of the cabins, hoping that they would lure the creature out. Luckily enough, they heard a growl from the forest and as one of the counselors peered out the window, they in fact saw creature staring back at them. The creature grew frustrated that he did not see any young children to devour and broke through the window. The next morning, the two counselors were discovered, their limbs torn from their bodies and blood splattered all over the cabin. They immediately called the police and got the police down to investigate as well though they did not find any leads. The police claim that it must have been a bear attack of some sort, and the counselors must have had open food within, causing the bear on the brink of starvation to break into the cabin and feed. The counselors protested. What kind of a bear would do this? A big one. Yeah. <laughs> a big, big mama. Big mama. Big bear. Big bear would do this. Big what? bear starving. Big, big starving bear would definitely do this. He's like a Neanderthal. <laughs> big bear. Big, big kill bear. counselor. Big, big starving bear. Kill counselor. <laughs> big bear think food, food to eat. <laughs> but this doesn't make sense. If if the bear was starving, why would they just? kill the counselors and not eat them. Bear not like human. <laughs> bear like granola bar. <laughs> bear aggressive, but bear no eat human. This only threw fuel to the flame of the Bigfoot conspiracy groups who swore they had to get a picture of such an event and started setting up cameras at every cabin in the event the creature returned. Frightened by what had happened the previous night, all of the counselors stayed in one cabin together. Despite the police shutting the park down to the public in fear of a hungry big bear. Just like the previous night, they all heard a growl and heard breaking glass as something entered a different cabin next to them. 
I swear the cameras must have gotten it this time, one of the Bigfoot enthusiasts claimed. When they went to check it the next morning, they found the camera damaged beyond repair, and they could not figure out what had gotten in. Man, I seen one of these before. This seer's a bear that's hungry only not for granular bars, but also for electronics. <laughs> granular bars, electronics. <laughs> I love this character. <laughs> yep, yep, I do say these are 100% Bigfoot Trisons. One of the counselors, too frightened to stay another night, attempted to leave. The next day, the other counselors found out that as that counselor had been driving home, they had been attacked by something that flipped their car and killed them. The counselors, fearing that if they leave, they would also be killed, but worrying that if they stayed, they would be murdered as well, did not know what to do. They felt as though they were fish in a barrel, awaiting their death. Two teams had a brilliant idea of stealing a boat and going out into the middle of the lake. Whilst the others stayed one more night in the cabins, attempting to sleep. The Bigfoot enthusiast, now knowing what he was tracking, set up a hunting stand on the highest tree with the best view so that he could witness exactly what was happening at the camp. The Bigfoot enthusiast, the teens in the boat, and the crew in the cabin all decide to stay in touch using radios. The child that was brave enough to stay with the other counselors hid under one of the beds in the cabin. And as night fell, sure enough, the creature had attacked, bursting through the door of the cabin, killing the two counselors that were inside. The creature knew that there was a third it could not find the child, and so it left. Witnessing the events of what had just happened, the Bigfoot enthusiast in the tree stand calls out to those in the boat. Yes, sir, they just done take they over here. What did you say? I think he said, who did that back there? Yep. We can't understand you at all. <clears throat> yeah, I think the cabin just got broken into. Oh, wait, the one with the kid? Yep, yep, let me try out. Eagle Nest 1 2, you copy? Eagle Nest 1 2, do you copy? A deep static comes as a reply. Heavy breathing can be heard on the other side of the radio. As the Bigfoot enthusiast looks down at the cabin, he sees the creature with the walkie-talkie in its hand staring directly back at him before sprinting off into the woods towards him. As the creature reaches the base of the tree the Bigfoot enthusiast is in, dives its claws deep into the trunk of the tree and slowly inches its way up towards the Bigfoot enthusiast. Yeah, fuck this, he says. <laughs> The Bigfoot enthusiast jumps off the tree and uses his parachute to glide down towards the teens in the lake. Unable to communicate with the teens in the boat, he slowly drifts towards them using the parachute. 
only getting a glimpse while looking over his shoulder of the creature jumping from tree to tree. The Bigfoot enthusiast notices that he is descending too quickly and he will not make it to the lake before he has descended into the trees. Panicking, he quickly drops all of his gear to try and lighten himself in order to float more. Just as he does, the creature jumps out and grabs one of his hands, and he is pulled into the darkness. The last thing the teens on the boat hear and see is the parachute quickly drop and a scream. Yes, <laughs> I'm getting my evidence. <laughs> I'm not electronic, don't eat me. I knew it was real. <laughs> the teens in the lake panic. And as the sun is about to rise, they think they are safe. But all of a sudden, they peer down into the water and see two eyes staring back up at them, screaming, trying to row away, but unsuccessfully, the creature grabs the end of the boat, flips it, and the two teens were never seen again. To this day, no one knows what attacked them that night. The child, clearly frightened, would not say a single word. The police chalked it up to a very vicious bear, and the child was sent to therapy for many years. To an insane asylum. <laughs> the child was sent to an insane asylum because the child would not speak and was too frightened. To this day, they never found what caused all of these murders, but it is theorized that the creature still remains haunting these woods around the camp. Okay, children, that is enough stories for tonight. Do be sure you get back to your cabins safely. We would not want any bad things to happen. Good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the random creature who peers at you through your window kill you tonight. <laughs>